This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath. It has been said that a picture's worth a thousand words. I think they're underselling the value of that picture, especially if it's a picture that my guest today had something to do with creating or displaying. I am, of course, talking about Mitch Rosenberg, Senior Director of Sales for EDP at Absent Incorporated. Mitch, how are you today? I am actually doing fantastic today. How about yourself, Sean? I'm doing very well. I'm always excited when I get to talk in the Pro AV space because I love the technology. I love movement and lights and I just everything that goes into the Pro AV experience and in that silo, I'm fascinated with. I'm really interested in a quote that I read from you that said, information as an eyes only influence goes both ways. Can you please explain that to me a little more clearly? I've run into this a million times. I try to explain to people when they purchase some type of a display, and I've been doing this way too long. I'm the type of person that basically remembers cardiac arrest when it was called a heart attack. So it's been a while. When you try to talk to people and they understand that they want a display, but they don't know what they actually want to use it for. It's always been fascinating to me. So one of the things I have to explain to them is just because you want to put it out there doesn't necessarily mean the people that are going to be walking past it, whether it be a retail situation or a house of worship situation, especially in a commercial situation, it doesn't mean they're going to look at it. It doesn't mean they're going to stop. They're going to read it. It doesn't really mean anything unless you work with the display, with the content, you function with the end user and you talk to your departments. What is it that you want this wall to do? And we run into this all the time where people go, oh, I have a couple of hundred thousand dollars. We want an LED display or we want a multiple projection display that's seamlessly edge blended. Great. What's it for? Once we figure out what it's for, then we can apply it toward our end user. What I mean is basically a bilateral set of information. Not only are we giving you information as the end user, the end user is giving us information. How many eyes are on it? How long are the eyes on it? Are they reading it? Are they studying it? Are they just looking at it to go, those are really pretty pictures. That's not what we want. We want a reason for them to stop. We want ROI on our investment. Our investors, or in this case, our end users, they want to know what these people are doing. So I refer to it as basically bilateral contact information. That means that when you're designing a solution for a customer, one of the first things you have to take into account is the vertical that they're a part of. Absolutely. Because it wouldn't make sense to give a supply chain answer to, like you mentioned, house of worship. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. They've got to walk away understanding that, as we always tell people, visual contact has more information given to it through our senses than all the other senses combined. Now, of course, I'm sure I'm going to hear from the ADA on that comment, but we're used to that as well. Your eyes are it you're going to gain more information from looking than you do from hearing, feeling, touching, smelling, or anything else that you feel you need to do. So we've got to make sure that they don't just look at it. I'm going to give you an example. When you go to a mall, we have, as a culture, pretty much become immune. I'm personally numb to looking at displays when I walk through a mall. I walk down Las Vegas, or actually Las Vegas Boulevard, Flamingo Boulevard, 
any of the majors. And I don't even look at the signs anymore. They really don't grab my attention unless there's something spectacular. Broadway's the same way. Something special has to occur. And that is a combination of content, design, what the display is, what the manufacturer of the display is. Is it LED? Is it 3D? Is it holographic? What are you doing to grab people's attention to influence their decisions? Now, in the reverse of that is, are the people that are actually looking at it, are they being influenced? And if they are, what are the decisions they are making? Because a lot of time you may provide content on these walls and these walls may have a serious wow factor. And you're going to go, I actually forgot what it was that I was supposed to go do. We've all done that. We've watched a commercial, but we remember the catchphrase. Have you ever sat back and said, I know the catchphrase. Who was that for? That's the problem we're running into with displays. We've got to get more symbiosis among the different people. The marketing departments, the manufacturing groups, the design people, the content houses. House of Worship does the same thing. Just because you're doing iMag and you get their attention, usually at House of Worship, they're trying to increase their congregation. Well, in today's world, it's a wow factor. You get a church, you don't have some type of iMag, you don't have a reason for them to come, stay, sit, and learn. They're going to leave and find a facility that, well, I'm going to use the word entertaining, but more suits their needs. It seems like you're flipping that old axiom of the media is the message, and you're saying that the media doesn't matter if it doesn't communicate the message. You know, one of my favorite movies is Blade Runner. If you've seen the original, as well as the follow-up, think about all the advertising going on in that. If you've been to Tokyo or Beijing, they have that type of atmosphere, that wow, high energy, but advertising's just everywhere. Content is everywhere. And I'm not talking about just your advertising, go buy soap and uh, go buy a bikini. I'm talking about advertising even, we're selling pharmaceuticals when we're watching TV. We walk through an airport and they're selling uh, everything from clothes to food to your drugs to, hey, don't forget to catch your next flight. We're being bombarded. The people that stand out are the people that understand, hey, it's not just what did we put on the screen? It's how did we put it on the screen? How did we get it across? How many people can we get to actually focus on something, get their attention? It changes every day. It's getting more and more complex. And it's exciting. It really is. The boredom that I don't know what your age is, but I'm up there. And my type of class, um, which let's just say we're way before millennials, everything was cardboard, man. Think about it. Bus stops. Everywhere you went, it was just a static sign. Now, nothing's static. So it's getting more and more exciting. And the technology is even growing into some new arenas that will blow your mind. Just to sidetrack you a little bit because you brought up Blade Runner, why does every movie that talks about the future paint a bleak and dystopian <laughs> realm where the only thing that's shiny and beautiful is the advertising and everything else? Even the flying cars are dented, they're dirty. Why is the advertising the only thing that looks shiny and, and new in the future? You know, I never really thought about that that much, but I have been to the inner cities, of Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas. And the cars are dented. And the advertising is the shiny spot, which is kind of ironic that somebody like a Ridley Scott probably took a look at what's current and just magnified it X number of times and said, hey, 
I think this is what the future is going to be. But I, you know, I'll turn that on a dime for you. Take a look at things like the Buck Rogers movies. Everything's clean. Everything's basically spotless. In Star Wars, the bad guys were always spotless. The Death Star was clean. I'd eat off the floor there. So there's two ways to look at that. I do agree that though Blade Runner, in my opinion, is more of what I see coming. Uh, not to be a downer, but I mean, I'm talking about the advertising side. I see more of that type of technology, heads up, 3D, holographic, reach out, touch, interactive type of advertising. When you're trying to tailor the presentation of a message, do you get a certain rush when you're approaching a solution for a public area? You mentioned Las Vegas, you mentioned Broadway, as opposed to maybe the the lobby of an office building? Yes, I got to tell you, because they're more creative. Everything we do in the corporate world, you know what? That was rude. That was horrible. I take that back. The majority of what we do in the corporate world is not exciting. It's your 16 by 9, your 4 by 3. It's throw content up on the wall. It's what they've got. Now, some, and I'm going to say some, of our Fortune 100s, they're creative. They have departments that want turns, cascades, convex. They, they, they think way outside the box. That's very cool. But in outdoor advertising and indoor advertising, the objective is to grab attention. How do you grab attention? You don't use squares and rectangles. You've got to do something that pulls them in. One of the things I see recently that's come, that will be a trend, to be absolutely honest with you, is not just this immersion. We've all seen the recent trend over the last five to seven years put on the goggles, get involved, become interactive, become part of, whether it be a game, an ad, whatever it is, become part of. The trick is how do we get those headsets off? How do we create that Blade Runner atmosphere where people are reaching down for you and talking to you as an individual? The technology is there for the individual to be recognized without having to put a chipset in our neck. That's a given. We know facial recognition is outrageously extensive. However, how do we gear it so that it does something special? And I've gotten a chance to play with some pretty special toys recently. What you see coming in the next three to five years for information to come to you, through you, it's amazing. I, I don't, I, I'm so excited about what I see in the next five to ten years. It's a reason I'm going to stay in this game probably into my 70s, not because of my child's college education. Those trends are going to be really surprising. Is there anything currently in the industry that would surprise people? Mini-LED is the latest technology, in my opinion. Not micro-LED, but mini-LED. It's taking LED the next generation up, where LED is generally, relatively, I should say, you can dent it, you can break it, people will play with it. It's also one of the few things that I've noticed where you put it in a museum, it'll allow hands-on. People just touch it, and they don't understand how fragile the actual glass substrates are. Mini-LED solved a lot of these problems. It's coming, and it can do a lot of very cool things. You can still do concave, convex, twist, turn, etc., etc. But Mini-LED is pretty destructive-resistant, is what I'd like to refer to it as. It's a new technology. It's being expanded upon. Most of the major LED companies are gearing themselves toward that. This is for indoor only. I'm sorry, Sean. I should have clarified that. Outdoor LED is, as we all know, relatively bulletproof, but at 150 yards, nobody cares anyway. They're giant pixels generating ungodly amounts of light. So I see Mini-LED is the first thing. There's another company I've had the pleasure of recently talking to called Hypervision. And 
I've had a chance to play with this product. It generates an image out into the audience without glasses. Now, I don't know exactly how far I've been playing with it recently, and it's all, I don't know if it's actually prototype scale. I'm sure they're doing something in the industry itself. That's a technology that when it becomes a reality and they're actually creating larger images and they can generate higher light outputs, I mean, we're talking real Blade Runner here. Heads that come out to you and talk to you, recognize you, and can interact with you. That's cool. That's definitely sounds like a logical progression for our future from a visual standpoint. In the current day, do you have a favorite project? You know, I have a lot of them, to be honest with you. And unfortunately, I ran into this in my last podcast. I'm under NDA with the majority of the large projects that I work with are Fortune 500 companies. But let me say that the creativity within a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, these are not old men who are sitting around trying to remember and reminisce about the Beverly Hillbillies in four by three aspect ratio black and white television. These are the millennial generation who came out playing with iPads at birth. These are kids who, kids, they're probably in their 20s. These are kids who have creative juices I can't even grasp. But to answer your question in a simple answer, there are things in the entertainment world, such as your larger amusement parks. Let's just say there's several parks that have information of displayability outside the box. And what you're going to see coming is outrageous. One of the projects I did not work on, but to give an example, is the Star Wars at Disney World. That is taking you being immersed into an environment and believing you're there. Now, that's not selling anything. That's not just advertising. That's making you think you're there without wearing the goggles, without sitting there with your Samsung phone attached to your face and playing with a fake gun. It's amazing. And that's going to be everywhere shortly. Now, I'm hoping that we don't see people walking around the street, walking into fountains, walking off the edge of a cliff because they're sitting there following a 3D holographic image that's you know, tempting them. Oh, come see the Grand Canyon from the top down. That would not be a cool thing. Normally, at this point in the conversation, I would obviously ask you, is Las Vegas the biggest stage where you see these innovations roll out? But you made a very interesting point that I think might be changing the way we are initially introduced to these new technologies, and that's through entertainment or amusement parks. Is that the direction you see us going? Very heavily. I see that because they have such creative capability and they have the money to back up that creative capability, they take the lead in a lot of imagines. Um, I'm going to refer that, believe it or not, I'm making imagines into a noun because they don't just sit there and say, could we? They actually sit there and go, we will. Then they hand it to the engineers who hand it to us, who hand it to the architects who go back and forth with the consultants. Because if we say no, they're going to move on. So we say yes. And we try to create something that's truly in there. I think about this. You're talking about LED walls. They're hooked up with hydraulic systems, with electrical contact systems, with full motion capability, with immersion of sound. They have the ability to recognize your face, your expressions. These things are running 10,000 times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year without failure. Think about the engineering that's involved in that on top of the fact that they want you to learn and experience something you've never had before. So in answer to your question, absolutely. I believe 
they're the future. They're the actually they're the current. My example would be 1956 when Disneyland opened. Nobody had ever seen animatronics before. Now we look at animatronics and we giggle. But 1956, Sean, that was amazing. It was breathtaking. Now it's a whole new world, and that trickles down. When they start doing something that's outrageously catchy, something that gains people's attention, it works its way all the way down into the corporate world. The CEO, when he does a presentation for a rah-rah meeting for shareholders, he doesn't just want to say, hey, our profits are up, this is how we're doing. He wants these people wired to the nines, excited. He wants them to invest another tenfold of whatever they've put in. This is the type of technology that's going to do it. It sounds like your day-to-day involves a version of one of my favorite quotes from Teddy Roosevelt, and that is, if anyone asks you if you can do a job, say yes, and then start learning how to do it. It sounds like you get to spend every day saying yes, and then figuring out how to do the amazing thing that somebody has asked you to do. That's got to be pretty exciting. It is. Sean, if you ever want to tour with me, I'll take you out with a couple of the architects, because some of the greatest projects in the world are some of the wildest architects. They work with the Imagineers, they work with the designers, they work with consultants, but as I swear some of them are dropping psychedelic mushrooms because they'll hand me drawings and go, we want this built. And I have to say, we're going to get it done. I have no idea how, but we're going to get it done. And it's very exciting every time. And when we inform them about new technologies, of course, they're the first ones to jump on it. Because when you talk to an architect, you know the project's 36 months, 48 months down the road. The technology that I'm talking about now, such as holographic re-imaging, in 36 months, you and I will have another conversation. And you're going to go, you know, I saw that at the airport. I saw that at a bus stop. I was in the library and it was telling me what book to get. My wife bought clothes based on one of those holographic displays. It's coming. Mitch, I'm going to say, if in 36 months you and I sit down and have a conversation and we're both not talking about our new flying car, I'm going to be very disappointed. (laughs) I'd just like to be talking about my new car. they got to get here eventually, right? Hey, remember, I, I read the 1964 Popular Mechanics that assured us we would have flying cars by 1980. I believe that too. I really did. I was just about, I was in high school. I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to be the coolest. Sadly, no. I wish. Imagine an alcoholic or homecoming done in flying cars. Oh my gosh. There you go. Now I've got another project. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate that. Like my, my day's not packed enough. Now I have to start figuring out how to make that come true. Well, you know what? I guess somebody's got two. Might as well be me, right? Go for it, Sean. And when you patent it, just remember, I'll take a percentage of that. Oh, absolutely. You'll get one of the first ones off the line. <laughs> Today, it has been my privilege to have a conversation with Mitch Rosenberg, the Senior Director of Sales for EDP for Absent Incorporated. Mitch, thanks so much for taking the time today. I will be taking you up because I know your email address. I will be taking you up on that offer for a tour very soon. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again. You too, Sean. I look forward to it as well. Thank you.